I am unashamed. What about you? Thunderstorms. No. Oh, I thought it was thunderstorms. Well, you ain't flying out of here today. No. Well, that's not the re the reason that I've got to. Uh, I'm flying to. I've got to drive to Dallas to fly to Idaho. But it's not because of the weather. We're having some weather today. It's because we at one time we had American, Delta, and United that hubbed out of Monroe, and so the problem is that United no longer comes to Monroe. Yeah. The only the only airline that flies into this town in Idaho that I'm at least not going to speak is United. Huh. So Al, you need to either I mean here's I here's my recommendation. You either need to hire you a logistics coordinator <laughs> or you need to move. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> well <laughs> I don't traveling about I'm traveling a lot. I do. And you're right though, it's the problem is that I have to that Lisa and I are keeping up with their own stuff. I need a I need a Bonnie. You got a Bonnie. I need well, I don't I have in, a Bonnie in my life. I was in North Mississippi yesterday. I'm back here now. Fixed to go to Florida, then to Virginia, then to Kansas, <laughs> then back here. That's in the next few days. Right, so you're on quite the little run yourself. The only reason I know that is because Miss Bonnie sent me that. <laughs> said this is where you're headed. That's right. Oh, well, you know, I mean, uh, you're just meeting folks, and we we like we still like to go and talk to people. I, I still enjoy it. Well, it's here's the deal. It's not necessarily where you're going. It's who you're with. Yeah. So, I'm I feel good about it. We're we're getting Jesus out there. Yep. We're making TV shows. <clears throat> That's going. Pretty well. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I know. Starting to actually find. Some I can't cool wait stuff. until your show your, your show releases because we can't talk about it. So yeah, I'm not, not sure why. The, so, but when they release, the we'll have a lot to talk about because they'll oh, be able yeah. to tell us all the behind the scenes stories yeah, of the I can give you all the ooey gooey of the show. Yeah, you know, in your crew. So. so, Dad, you're deep in study over there. I see. Phil <laughs> well, doesn't even have his money. Hang on. <laughs> Not really. That, that was so I deep have, in his Bible study that he forgot that we're doing a podcast. I have preached the gospel as uh, the Lord has provided to more people in the last 10 days by far than whatever I've done up to right even being 75 years old. Oh, really? In the last 10 days, I've preached the gospel literally to millions. Yeah. So, and it, it, the book, the promoting of his new book, provided the platforms to all these different yep. radio shows, podcasts, news shows. I and mean, there at no time, which surprised me, at no time was there any hostility. No hostility. They, they, they would listen. I don't know whether they agreed with what God said about everything or not. I said, look, and, but, but what came out of all that is if you heard them talk when I wasn't there, but after, afterwards, they would, most of them said, well, that's the first time I've ever seen a guy with every question. He, he 
it, most of the time he just turned to it as soon as we asked it. Right. He said, but he answered every question with a Bible verse, every one of them. <laughs> it's always uh, a good. And when someone, some of them asked me about that, and I said, uh, argue with God, but I'm not going to give you opinions because opinions like elbows. Everybody's got a couple of them. Yeah, I had a weird. That reminds me of uh, we brought this couple to the Lord years ago, and the wife, she's she's still going strong to this day, but her husband was a. Uh, how would I describe him? He was like a professional talker. It could talk his way out of anything. And uh, so he would come up, he would constantly try to get around from a biblical perspective that there is a God, that Jesus is Lord. And yep. so, and it was basically always, you know, we're in 1 Corinthians talking about idolatry. It was a way to excuse his behavior, which was not godly. Yep. You can read between the lines there. But every time I saw him, he would start talking and he would just go on and on and on and on. And it was like when you actually stopped and thought about what he was saying, it was just nonsense. <laughs> it was just nonsensical. <clears throat> so I said, look, I've made a decision. I'm only going to talk to you from a scripture basis. You Do you believe in God? He's like, Oh, yeah. And then he would start talking, whoa, <laughs> you give me scriptures, and I'll give you scriptures every time we see each other. That will be the entirety of our conversation. Yep. <laughs> so guess what happened to him for the first time in his life? He nothing got to, quiet. Nothing to say. He would go to say something, and I'd say, better be a scripture. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Quit talking. And it made me think of that verse where everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That is why every empire that there's ever been has collapsed. Because, just think about it. If you think they didn't think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, well, that means they're not going to use scriptures to say, well, here's what God said. And they really believe that. They say, you don't want the bottom line, the bottom line answer. We, don't, we, we, can, we can't do that because we're going to have to stop behaving like we're behaving. Yep. It's going to force us to start doing good if we're going to get around all these Bible verses. Right. It forces them to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind. <laughs> the scriptures themselves. Well, and we get people. If you read them and then apply them. We get people that ask all the time, well, I mean, you guys obviously know the Bible, but, you know, how do I do that? And But it's really simple. I mean, you read it, you study it, and you teach it. Yeah. And you say, well, I, I don't have a venue to teach, but everybody does. You have a, if you're married, you got a family, you have a venue to share. What, what, if you have a conversation, to Jason's point, at, the, at work, I mean, like every conversation I have, I don't know about y'all, but it always, I always think of something biblically. Yeah that applies into what I'm talking about. I mean, I, mean, I my number one thing is I try to introduce the author creatively. So whatever characteristics about God, whether he's eternal, he's the creator, the designer, life, all these principles and characteristics of who he is, I try to look for 
ways when I hear something about his qualities, like, I mean, y'all make fun of me all the time for making fun of these Hollywood projections or these ads that try to sell stuff, and they just throw around words like forever and eternal, and this is, you know, we're going to be 21 forever. (laughs) No, you're not. You're not going to do it without God. So then to me, that leads you to scriptures that are, I mean, just even yesterday, they were, uh, the TV people were trying to describe what had happened because Mary had found something really cool. And Jeff and I, we were just like all in his business now because you're like, well, if there's something here, there may be more. And they were like trying to describe it, like the phenomenon that was occurring. And I said... Where there is a dead carcass, there the vultures will gather. Yeah. And look, they all who like that's it. That's it. I said, that's actually Matthew. <laughs> Looking around. That's in the Bible? Yeah. yeah, that's actually a verse in the Bible. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that. It is it is interesting when you think about the Hollywood types that so much depth. In, in verbiage comes out of people so shallow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, well, but they're people, running on the top you know, of the water, but they're they're all the time using those in-depth words. Well, look, if this ever gets out that, you know, half of the material that I'm coming forth with, because, look, at this stage of my TV career, they just turn the cameras on and they say, go. Yeah. They don't realize the material is actually coming from verses in the well, Bible. That, that they was, arranged. That was a master at, at it on our show. But you could never do book, chapter, verse, or it wouldn't make it. But you had yeah. to You had to go under the radar. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever been through. <laughs> well, do you realize how many? Trying to <laughs> satisfy a film crew who knows nothing about Jesus and don't believe doesn't believe the Bible at all. And they're filming us, and I'm thinking, man, that, that – I said, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I, lo- I love when somebody, some interviewer asked Dad, so what was it like to be on you know, reality TV and be a TV star? Dad said, I hated it. <laughs> it was well, terrible. I fell. It the the it- reality is wrong, wrong wordage for, for what they were up to. Here- we got a reality show. I said, no, it's a long way from reality. Well, here, here's what I want to tell you, the good news. We learned the, some that's lessons. That's your point. Yeah, we learned some lessons, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be who I am. That's right. My compadres. And if that means we either. If you want to film it and put it on. You want to film it, whether we reach the top of the mountain and say, treasure, or we're down at the valley saying, we found nothing. I was like, we're going to run it. But I told them, I was like, you know where the idea came from is I read every verse in the Bible about treasure. Yeah. I was like, there's a lot in here. About treasure. So if you could come up with a show that has a dual meaning where you're finding treasure, but really underneath there, there's some spiritual treasure. There's some eternal treasure that's driving the train. That might be entertaining to watch. Yeah. Isn't there a verse where your heart is? That's that's a word that you treasure. I've used a version of that verse already. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Or where your treasure is, there your heart will yeah, be also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's treasure first. Mm-hmm. 
meaning that that's what you'll care about. So, mm -hmm. uh, Jason, I forgot to, a couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned the marriage retreat was last weekend, and I forgot to tell you there was a, a really cool moment for me because I told about the time all of us went on that one marriage retreat. You know, we ate in mom's room and all that, and it was funny. But but uh, at that marriage retreat, you shared the gospel with a, a couple. It's actually the wife. Um, she had never fully surrendered, and she had never been baptized. And so you shared with them. Do you remember those? Yeah, I and, remember that. And you, and you baptized her, I think, in a hot tub that wasn't hot. <laughs> was, was that what it was? It was like 25 degrees. I was like, well, we got a lake. <laughs> and then somebody, But they were like doing construction. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, we have a hot tub, but it's not finished. Yeah. And I was like, does it have water in it? <laughs> yep. But it's not hot. <laughs> and so I was like, well, we can either go out there in the lake where the wind's blowing, or we could just wait till we get back to a warm setting. Right. But she was ready. Like, no. I'm doing so this So right if I'm not mistaken, it was the first night of the retreat. So it was really a cool thing. But now that's probably been 20 years ago or more. But it was what was interesting, Jace, was that 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 brother, her husband, passed away last year suddenly, he which was, is we were actually pretty good friends. Yeah, really, it was a sad passing because he was young, uh, too young from our perspective. But uh, his son, their son, just got married mm -hmm. a couple months ago after his dad died. Well, they they were at the marriage retreat. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was, but it was such a cool thing because I, when I looked at him, you know, brand new marriage course you know you know she's in tears you know it's you just got married you know it's always a all the things you're struggling with but then I talked to him and it was such a cool thing and I told him about that and he said oh I've heard that story I said you know your mom and dad were here and this is where your mom right here in this place decided she was going to go all in for Jesus I said this year you lost your dad but she's like unwavering you know because of what she believes and, and she will see him again but oh, I she's a that warrior. was a nice circle she's, around you know she's a warrior she's been a warrior for the lord and so was he yeah. and uh yeah that was a strange we you know cuz I didn't really want to go to the marriage retreat cuz back then I was immature and stupid even more than I am now <laughs> But I was like, what do we got to go up there and talk about marriage? And Missy said this, you know, famous line, babe, it's not about you. <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I went, and it really turned out, it really wasn't about me. We went to the festivities, then they came to us after the program. And it was way better than I anticipated. It was right. funny. And yeah, we had a good about time. Marriage. And then they came to our room, and we literally studied all night. Yeah. And she was just, she come in there, just tears in her eyes. And she's like, I've never given my life to Christ. Right. And I want to make that happen. Well, so. I, I just thought about it. Let's take a break. So we're talking about, uh, when we get to first Corinthians 11, Jace, about hair. Yeah, I just got a haircut. I, I, well, I couldn't tell, but really, yeah. So you got a lot of hair, though, right? I don't know how I feel about that. So we're talking about the difference in masculine and feminine uh, when it comes to hair. Men uh, tend to get this, and some women, I guess, but it's mostly men, have male pattern baldness, they call it. I'm not exactly sure how it works. Somehow it skips a generation, something. But if you're losing your hair, you figure that out pretty early for most men. And so one of our sponsors, Keeps, who's been with us, you know, I think from the beginning of our podcast, what they have is a program to help you hold on to your hair, hence the word 
keeps. You want to keep your hair. So, uh, and they can improve hair growth as well. So uh, they're about half the price of a traditional pharmacy. So it's a pretty good deal in terms of what you would pay for. Uh, they've got a full year unlimited messaging. Anytime they have a doctor there that you can talk to about it, make sure it's safe for you. So check these guys out. Uh, go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash door. That's keeps.com slash door. You're going to get 50% off your first order, which is great. So if you want to hold on to that hair, check them out. Keeps.com slash door. I just thought about what a, we talk about divine appointments, you know, where, cause, cause you and Missy, I don't know that you ever went to another one, but you like needed to be there that time for her. But also, of course, what you gained yourself. And then I looked at the fruit 20-something years later. Here's their child uh, who just got married. And now their life is being shaped. So it's really a cool, I don't know, I guess the older you get, the more you sort of see the, when you see those generational things, you really appreciate them. You know, I think more. I think most people in the religious world, they always think, oh, we got to go out and evangelize the nations. You know, Matthew 28, which is true. And there's a lot of great fantastic missionaries out there who are doing this yep but for us who are here if you'll just share with the people in your earshot yep if you believe that god is really good at arranging appointments yep on earth i mean here we are have the spirit the mystery of godliness is that christ is in us and then there's people in earshot that you can and you know it doesn't have to be a three-point sermon right you're just planting seeds by your life and what you say that leads people to jesus that's right and you don't have it's not a it's not a question of being a you know a trained person a person who's you know knows a ton of scripture it's just like you said it's introducing them to jesus i mean it really does it's life-changing going back to the show i mean duck dynasty wasn't a religious show and no, it was a fun neither show. is our, the show i'm working on now but hopefully you can see the spirit that is leading us in the way we interact and what we do and the messages that it's about it's the same concept and if people like the show like us and they want to know why then we're going to point them to the lord because without him we're nothing well, we grew up like that. I mean, it was it was always colorful and entertaining. The dad's friends, the people, you know, once he became a Christian, the people that we had around, the stories that were told. I can remember we'd have people over and have fish, and then dad would just tell stories for two hours. You remember that one? Just, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you just, you made it colorful and exciting, and people wanted to be around that, and I think that's the way we should be. Christianity... I mean, I joked the other day that they were calling themselves in the Northeast the Frozen Chosen. But some people, that's the way they view Christianity. It's like it has to be dull and boring, and and that's just terrible, you know? Yep. I mean, to me, it's like taking the most beautiful treasure, jewel, you ever could find and putting it in a toe sack and then just leaving it there, you know, and never showing it to people. I mean, it's, you know, what we have is so amazing. So Yeah. So we're in First uh, Corinthians. Uh, we left off in chapter ten, and uh, this we're about to hit into this stretch from eleven through fourteen. Um, this probably, you know, I guess it, I would describe it as um, a difficult 
section of text <laughs> because, you know, we've already tried to establish before we ever get there, and Larry Bowles really helped us a lot too when he came and did his lesson, that Corinthians, first and second, that especially in the first letter, this letter, that we that he was dealing with specific things that were asked of him that we don't even know exactly what they were. He'll say now about this matter, about that matter. You 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 know you wrote me about this, but it was very specific to this particular group of people because in some of his other letters, um, you know, he treats it totally different. We didn't deal with this, Jason, but back when we were in uh, in chapter nine, when he was talking about how he would do, he would rather die. So he said then get paid by the Corinthian church. But, you know, I, I, when I went and looked up in Philippians, he took money from them. Mm-hmm. You know, the Philippian church blessed him. And he, and he's going to say later in 2 Corinthians that he said, I had to rob other churches. That was the way he put it, to, to be able to do ministry for you. So whatever was unique about his situation in Corinth, I, I think it was because a lot of them were doubting him. He was like not going to get paid. But in another context, it's totally different. So I think all that backdrop helps prepare us for some of the issues that they were having, you know, within their group that we're going to kind of kick into when we get to chapter 11. <clears throat> but before we do that... If their meetings were, were doing more harm, their coming together was actually, according to the apostle, doing more harm than good. Yeah, that's what he says. Well, that's when you're... you're, you're uh, that, that's... That's pretty serious. Yeah. Be better off if you don't even come together. That's not good. Not good. That's bad. Um, but before we get there, we didn't quite close out the last thought in chapter 10. I won't do that before we go into it. Because he's going to kind of wrap up the thought from 8, 9, and 10. And it starts in verse 23 of chapter 10. Because he's going to kind of repeat. He's already said this once. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. This is this whole concept about, you know, how do I treat my brother? What if he views something differently than I do? I know I have the freedom to do it, but how do I treat him? Then he says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, which is pretty plain. I mean, he said, you, you know, when you understand freedom, you understand it. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience, because they're not thinking anything about it either, is his point. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. So what if the guy's like, has a problem? The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours, for why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? which tells you that when you have liberty, it's yours to give, not someone else's to take, which I think could be a good lesson in our culture today. Um, then he says um, if, in verse 30, if I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. <clears throat> he says, follow my example as I follow the example. Well, we've pointed out from time to time that within the church, uh, even God's people, it's pretty easy for them 
without really realizing it, to put forth hatred, the lack of thankfulness, being too sharp-tongued with your neighbor, yep. you know, arguing, making silly arguments about stuff that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Yep. That's been going on within churches for years, years, ever, ever since, ever since Book of Acts. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, it's uh, it's for human beings to love one another and not count, uh, keep no record of wrongs. That's a hard lesson to learn for the human race, as yeah. it turns out. Well, and, you know, through the years. I've said so many times that somebody come up all excited, you know, do you believe me? All upset and everything. I said, I said, look, don't worry about that. Right. Don't even worry about that. Just go on with your life. Quit making such a big, so many times I can't count them. Yeah. People been been out of shape for no good reason. Well, and it's, it's uh, you get mad at. Gossip, slander. Somebody in the church, you get mad at. Church leadership, you get mad yep. at the pastor. Oh yeah, <clears throat> like just, a paid preacher like you were, you caught the bl- the brunt of it. Well, and it's interesting because you know Paul never said he he just put it in the framework of I'm doing this for the gospel. I don't want to get paid, you know, because this is my gift to the kingdom. It's way better if they operate like we're rolling oh, now in, inside the my church. Life is a lot better <laughs> than it was back in the day because there you feel that you feel that pressure about it you know you oh. and you, you're trying to and it's funny because he even said i'm trying to please people i mean which i thought was kind of funny paul saying that he said i, I want to please people but at the same time people are hard to please and once know? they start the money starts changing hands where you're, you're a paid preacher it's real easy for the majority of the people to say hey that's what we pay him for yeah he needs to do everything visit the hot the sick i mean he i mean they, they'll put you on a schedule where it's it's grueling. Yeah. Well, and I thought about. Uh, let's take a break. So one of my favorite uh, sponsors of our podcast is a, a group that I really have fallen in love with, and Lisa too. Lisa's actually done some writing for them. Uh, it's called Forty Days for Life, and uh, we had Sean Carney on our podcast a while back and tell us a little bit about their organization, what they're doing. Uh, we love it. Uh, they're kind of at the front and center of the pro-life movement, uh, which Lisa and I do a lot of uh, things in the same movement. So they've written a book to help you to be able to discuss uh, abortion because so many people, you know, obviously you got, it used to be half the country was pro-choice and half was pro-life. I think it's more pro-life now, which praise God for that. But in having a discussion with people, kind of how to know what to say. And so the name of the book is What to Say When?, the complete new guide to discussing abortion. And so these guys have come up with this book to help you uh, have those discussions at work in your family, you know, anywhere. So check them out. 40 days for life gear.com. You're going to get 20% off books, other gear. If you use the code word duck, it's a great way to support a great cause and a great ministry. That's 20% off all books and gear with the code duck at 40 days for life gear.com. Check them out. I thought about this text, Dad. Of pitching in and helping you. No. I thought about this text, and it's really, it's a it's a very deeply personal story to me, but I, when Lisa and I went through all our stuff, I was working for the church, and so, I mean, I was immediately, overnight, I was damaged goods, you know, because my, my yep. marriage was falling apart. 
So how do you, you know, church leadership has to figure out a way to deal with that. I mean, you're working for the church and I was so broken. I, I had nothing to offer other than I was just a mess. But so, some of our brothers and friends, people, you know, they're still close friends of mine. They were trying to help best they could. And so they sort of laid, they mapped out a strategy about how it was best for me to go forward. And the problem I had was it was with it was that they didn't ask me if I thought it was a good idea. So I thought about this idea about liberty. And so, because liberty is yours to give. It's not for others to take. Yep. And so you were a part of a meeting where someone laid out this strategy of how I needed to roll going forward. And you you were the one that said, you know what, fellas, I don't think this is our place to tell Al how he needs to move forward and, con- and, and conduct his business. And, and they backed off. But, I, I mean, I don't know if I ever told you that, but I, I, how much I appreciated that because I was feeling that pressure oh, yeah. that I needed to, you know, listen. And I didn't – and I did. I was open to listen. But at the same time, it wasn't really what I felt like I needed to do and Lisa needed to do. So that's the thing about it is you get – any of this stuff that we're reading, I think you have to look at it. Well, the good news is, Al, <clears throat> now you're, you're still there and you're not charging them anything. <laughs> well, yeah. So sometimes they have, to, they have to be patient. <laughs> They're getting a good deal, no doubt about it. That Ephesians four eleven, you know, he said it was he who gave son to be apostles, and so First Corinthians nine one mentioned that, you know, eyewitnesses to the resurrected <clears throat> Lord. Yep. And it was some to be prophets, and there's been a host of those. Some to be evangelists. Some to be pastors and teachers so leadership which is what we're talking about yep but that next verse which i think in any translation says to prepare god's people for works of service i mean we got this backwards yep you pay him he does the work we watch, make sure everything's going on. All right. <laughs> and we should we give him a raise? <laughs> yeah. Or I don't I'll tell you what that old boy's working hard. Let's give him a little more. But that this is like they're supposed to prepare the people. Yeah. For the work that happens outside this arena. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's pretty clear, right? They're like things aren't going well. Are the preacher? Well, we're the we're the workers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should start firing some of these workers. Oh, we can't do that. You know. No, so it's I, like it, the, it just seems weird to me that that's how this is set up. That's right. It was like the the time I walked in the pro shop at our local golf club, and I was standing there waiting, you know, to pay for my cart. And one of the old guys from the clubs chewing on this guy, you know, young guy, and he's griping about the fairway over on 14 and the sand trap on seven and bang. You know, I'm just listening, just grumping for 10 minutes. So he walks out and then the guy's like, you know, trying to be all chirper. You know, he just got his butt chewed out. And I said, you know, for the first time I realized our jobs are very similar. <laughs> I was like, you're the golf pro. I'm the preacher. And, you know, you get your butt chewed out about once a week by some Somebody grumping over something you really don't have any control over. <laughs> but, think he, about any of like football. I mean, if the yeah players <clears throat> don't perform, stink, fire yeah, the coach. Well, guess what? Fire the coach. I mean, it, it's just 
But I think, you know, you got to get it right in the Lord. And yeah. I mean, I read Ephesians 4. I'm not sure what we're supposed to do about that because the model is the model. Right. We're going to pay people to do the Lord's work. We're going to sit and see if they're doing a good job. <laughs> that needs to change. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, and I, look, I, I think that's what, that's why he was, I mean, I've said this a hundred times since we studied Corinthians. I mean, he kept sharing that Jesus is Lord. I mean, you have surrendered yourselves to the Lord. Right. And we're going to get to this in Second Corinthians 4 and 5. And this is his plan, not ours. You know, that part about we're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What's that got to do with you paying a preacher and just sitting? Right. You're you're Christ's ambassador. What does an ambassador do? Represents. Right. That's why I said when it goes back to the Bible scriptures, if you get in your head that you're introducing the author. I think it'll be a lot easier to learn the scriptures because during the conversations that come up about scriptures, it's okay to say, I don't know what that means. But, but a lot of time, the most oft asked question is, okay, you know, we did it the other night. Somebody called in out on the book signing. He said, I've just become a Christian. How do I put all this into practice? Yeah. He, that, well, I, I hear that all the time. How do I do it? And other than just tell them, say, these scriptures have to be, become part of your psyche. This right. is the way you think. Right. You, you know, you know, be ready to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I mean, be be ready to give them an answer. Right. And plus it's... Oh, well, I, I, hey, I, I quote that verse in almost every speech I give. Oh, plus it's... In it's your a, heart, set apart Christ it's, is but it's And it's a lifetime of doing it, though, because the, the, sure. the specific it's gonna part... It's going to take him some time. Yeah, because the specific part of what he asked was, he said, I didn't raise my kids right, but now I've gotten... I'm in Christ... But now they're a mess. Was well, like, yeah, well, that's because yeah. everything up to now has been a mess. But you have to, it takes, you have to continue. And that's what you told him. You said you got to con be consistent. You got to yeah. live it in front of them. Be patient. And be patient. That's exactly right. But just like before we get to 1 Corinthians 11, I mean, that's Paul. And then he starts talking about all the different relationships that we have, which God designed, by the way. I mean, this was his plan. Right. I mean, if you're, you got to acknowledge something. Either this was just really lucky. <clears throat> Either this was really lucky that you know, men and women. <clears throat> I'm pulling an Allen Field. Yeah, that. I know. I'm surprised. That's hollering at the fam crew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are y'all doing? What are you doing? God, oh, hang on, pause it. Phil's gonna take a break. <laughs> pause it, okay? I mean, I just cannot get this out of my. <clears throat> been struggling with it all morning. Yeah, they they've been. Lisa's got it too. She would make this joint a little more, loosen it up a little bit. Oh, don't get off camera. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll be well, back. It's okay. okay. All right, go ahead. <clears throat> I mean, God designed this, and Paul. Is in in Peter in his letter. I mean, you when you brought that verse up, I remember when I taught Corinthians, I used that verse because same concept. You know, right after you talked about husbands and wives, Peter said, "In your hearts, First Peter three fifteen, set apart Christ as Lord." 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And then when you go back to Corinthians, you see the same thing. It's about once you become inward focused on yourself and what you get out of this deal or who you are, and you're looking at your identity not through the eyes of you've been created by God for a purpose. Right. That's how we get off That's in right. societies and churches yep. and people are walking around and they don't know how they got here. They don't know who they are and they sure don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And so it's just restless wonders that meanders through identity crisis, gender crisis, right. relationship crisis, marriage crisis, kid crisis, rebellious teenagers. It, you know, all these things happen. Well, if you don't have some foundation, some rock that you can go to to find answers, how are you ever going to figure it out? Well, that guy I talked to yesterday, he was seated there. He was from, he said, southern Utah, and he was living in Maine. And I thought, and he was asking me, he said, you know, I noticed that you, you give all your answers with scriptures. And uh, he said, what's, how do you, how do you, how do you get? How do you end up doing that? I said, "Well, I said, what's today?" He said, "Well, today's Wednesday." I said, "We're worshiping God here, and it's Wednesday. It's not Sunday morning. <laughs> we haven't driven anywhere. We're just talking about the scriptures yeah. and life, and why people cancel each other and hatred and all this, and we're dealing with it." I said. This is Wednesday. I said, tomorrow's Thursday. The same thing will be going on with me. Then Friday come along and Saturday. I said, if you just ever get it down to where the only time you worship is at a service, worship service, one day a week, a couple of hours, I said, that's not enough to, to learn the scriptures no. and to live by. That's not enough. <coughs> I remember. Uh, let's it has to be, you know, Romans 12. Let's take a break. So our friends at Omega XL, Dad, tell us that you have 360 joints, starting with your neck, going all the way down to your feet. A lot of joints in the human body. Amazingly, I'm 75 and none of mine hurt. You know why? Because you're taking, on a daily basis, Omega XL. I do. Which is really incredible. You hear those in there. Those, these uh, are from uh, uh, extract from muscles. Uh, that are growing. We actually, you and I actually saw the shells of the muscle. Go no further than the, the pristine waters of New Zealand. That's pretty good. And you're healthy and you feel good. So it's the green lip muscle is what they call it. And they grow it and farm it in New Zealand. A great product. Check them out. If you got aches and pains, I'm telling you, this works. Dad and I really swear by it. OmegaXL.com slash fill. You're going to order a bottle. You're going to get a bottle for free. So you're going to get a, a couple of months supply to get you going. OmegaXL.com slash fill. Or you can call them 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. OmegaXL.com slash fill. I remember, Dad, whenever I was preaching a little church and all the parishioners there at the church, they would leave their Bibles on the pew where they'd be there when they got back. At the next appointed time. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember one, one said, of course, I'm young. You know, these, these old people, they've heard all these different sermons. Finally, one day I said, 
I was all worked up preaching, you know, I was like, you need to take them Bibles home with you, you know, <laughs> because it's every day that we I was made my point, but these all little old ladies, you know, they knew more Bible than I would ever know. But I did find it ironic that people fall into that trap where it's yep. just like, that's the only time. Leave your Bibles on the pew. <clears throat> well, when we get to Second Corinthians 5 to, to finish up my thought, compared with Peter having the same concept, he says in Second Corinthians 5, the second part of 11, he says, what we are is plain to God, which goes back to a thought we had earlier about that we're, it's more powerful to acknowledge that we we are known by God. He know, he knows us right inside and out. And then it says in verse twelve, it says we're giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Which right goes back to the same principle. God knows our hearts. He knows what is unseen deep down in our soul. Then he says in 14, for Christ's love, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced, and this is a strange saying, but it says that one died for all, and therefore all died. And People say, what does that mean? If we are convinced that Jesus died for everyone, what does that mean that Therefore, all died. Well, he explains it in verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. And then he gets to the point of all this is from God who brought himself through Christ and gave us, I mean, brought us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, bringing others to God through Jesus. <clears throat> we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So my point is, when you back all that up, if you're sitting in a pew thinking about yourself, you've missed something. Right. You missed the whole thing. Yep. And so when you go to the more controversial passages in 10 and 11, which we're fixed to get to, that was the problem. People weren't acknowledged them, themselves as I'm made by God. Right. <clears throat> no, I agree. And, and the their culture was playing a <clears throat> bigger part and a negative part, the culture around them. Exactly. Was, was, was making them be the opposite of ambassadors. These right. people had, they dragged what their culture was into over in the church, and, and here we go. Right. You know, what's up in American religion and the denominational world, that same thing happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, he was Did they bring the culture in with them, and you say, nah. He's laying the basis. Like, when he got to 31 or 10, he's like, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. I mean, it's like almost... Yeah. Whatever you can think of, why don't you just do it for the, all for the glory of God? Yep. And don't cause people to stumble. Yeah. Whether whoever they are, Jews, Greeks, or even in the church. And then the I try to please everybody in every way, but why are you doing it? You're doing it for the glory of God. Right. And then he says, follow my examples, I'll follow the example of Christ. So the first thing he's going to get into in chapter 11, which is sort of, and all of these are going to be kind of within their 
the church here in Corinth is is what they're what they're looking like. There's a way that they're looking mm-hmm. in Corinth that's taking them out of the role that God has for them to do, and it's and it's giving a bad message for the gospel. I mean, that's the only reason he would include it is if it was causing harm, right, mm-hmm. to what they were trying to do. It was their witness. It kind of c- continues the thoughts. Let me <clears throat> let me read it, and then we'll kind of we'll all kind of weigh in on on what we think he's talking about here. Uh, I praise you for remembering me and everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. So he starts out by saying, you know, you've done a lot of things good, which anytime, you know, somebody corrects you, they usually tell you, give you a little bit of good news, which is what he does. Because remember, Paul was with him for a year and a half. So he spent a lot of time with these people. He knows them well. Now, I want you to realize <clears throat> that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as though her head were shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. For it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut or shaved off, she should cover her head. Again, we're dealing with a lot of cultural stuff that's going on in this in this city. And then, of course, it's now gone to the church. Let's take a break. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman... But woman for man, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. Verse 11. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Well, that's a key phrase. It is. In fact, I would say that's the... The key Everything phrase, the key verse from God in the Lord, however, because remember, Jesus is Lord. Right. Woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. That's a clever phrase. Right. So in other words, so the idea of somehow making one greater than another is not his point. Well, because what happens is everybody who reads that scripture, when they heard, well, God is the head of Christ. Christ, and Christ is the head, is of, man. head of man, and man is the head of <coughs> woman. Well, every woman just said, well, wait a minute now. <laughs> but you just, we just read the scripture. People are like, well. So then when you read on 11, you're like, well, maybe, maybe I'm missing something on what that means. Right. Because we immediately, we think, well, if somebody's the head of something, that means or they're better or they're superior, which is just can't be further from the truth well and to me jace yeah, if you the, don't have the women nobody gets here well and he <laughs> makes that point you, but you, there's he, no reason to panic when you read and so then when you say what is all this head covering and okay they had some different things going on in their culture but the bottom line and i think we all agree is if you're identifying as a male okay yeah god created you that way that doesn't mean that there are some more masculine males, and there are some males who are more feminine. Right. Still a male. And then in the female world, it's the same thing. So here you have a culture. We already know their past. 
in First Corinthians six, the the list that you quoted, there were prostitutes and homosexual offenders and that whole. Remember when we read that in First uh, Corinthians, Corinthians six? 6. Yeah, I mean yeah. I can. It's a, it was a rough bunch. It, yeah, and so all, so we know already there's some identity issues, and and you remember even uh, Bowles talking about with the whole you know, Aphrodite and the, the whole temple worship and all that, which included sex. He was saying in that Greek and then later Roman culture that the reason he mentions homosexuality several times in there is because in their mindset, if you had a homosexual encounter, that didn't count as a sexual encounter. That was their mindset. Mm-hmm. And so therefore they were just, they were doing anything and everything with whoever. And so that that becomes when you think about it, you see that blurring of the gender line. That's what you get into, which that's, of course is what was is the ultimate point here. That's what America is hammering down right oh. now. Well, everything repeats itself, right? Because you don't if you don't acknowledge that. But everything comes from God. We have, we're obviously different. I mean, anybody who's not acknowledging that. The differences between right. a male and a female are in just complete denial. I mean, we're, we're different. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you have this capacity from a physical realm of bringing life through this union. Right. Which is, we take it for granted. <laughs> but, I mean, the first time I saw one of my kids born, I thought, wow, <laughs> whoever came up with this process... <laughs> I salute to I, be praised. I saluted women worldwide. I'm telling you. When I when I saw Jephthah, my youngest one, burst forth from Miss Kay's loins, I thought, whoo, man. Burst forth. Thank from God for loins. women, because I don't know whether men would even do this. No. There's, a, there's not a man that's man enough to be a woman. I'll and, tell you get that. Up, and next thing you know, they're pregnant again. They do it again. They do it again. You know, you said, boy. You know, the pain and the misery to, to get us here is profound. It is. And apparently it was changed because we know part of the whole thing in the garden, it became more difficult once sin entered the equation. So apparently old Mother Eve was not having quite the difficulty that women would have after her. Yeah. You know, uh, according to the. According to Genesis three, you know, you know the you know Moses. I guess he wrote Genesis, but he was saying women, the, yeah. the, the more pain. That's right. So they're they're tough as boot leather <laughs> to go around having children. That's I'll tell right. you that <laughs> they're tougher than. I heard a, I heard a sermon, uh, Pastor Tom, which I'll get into this next time. But just to introduce it. You know, when you read these passages like that are difficult, First Corinthians eleven, First Corinthians seven, and fourteen, yeah, and fourteen, and you know, you had all this, uh, you know, going back to what Bowles shared with us, kind of what the the culture was back there. I think a lot of times, the way he broke it down in our families are, you have God's ideal. I mean, his ideal situation, he lays it out. You can be single. You can live for the Lord single. You can marry. A man and a wife, till death do us part. And people, and you can wait till you get married before you have any kind of sex. I mean, this is God's ideal. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that before. But then you have the real world. In the real world, it's messy. 
Things are complicated. People are married multiple times. People are unsure of their identity. or And you have all these situations. And so he kind of came at it from an angle based on what happened in the beginning, which you have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was more the real world. That was a temptation that God didn't tempt them. He just told them the facts. And... But it, you know, as humans do, they went over there and it became about their performance. They wanted to do it. They wanted to take the role of God and not trust him. And then all of a sudden, shame came. Well, then you have the tree of life, which would eventually be the tree of life, Jesus on a cross, where God's eternal grace and mercy and unconditional love would be present. So you have an earthly perspective, as my point, of all the messes human makes by our own, own having a knowledge of good and evil. And then you have the heavenly perspective, which the ideal, which is God's way. So he kind of started there and said, how can we figure this out on our roles to use our marriages and our families and even our singleness to give glory to God and be ambassadors as God And I think he answers it, and it's coming up shortly in another couple of chapters. He talks about how powerful and how devastating without it and how powerful it can be if you practice it or how devastating it's going to be if you don't. That's when you get to a little word, L-O-V-E. Yeah. In other words, he, he, he kind of brings it together right there where you say, keeps no record of wrongs. It's not rude. It's, it's well, <coughs> and the it's point is, no anger. You're, you're right. There's no accident that that chapter, as we would call it, but that you know section is right in the middle yeah. of these issues that he's dealing yeah. with inside this church. You got to remember, too, in First Corinthians 12. I've been quoting it every day first, on uh, uh, nationwide. Right. I never leave that out. No, because, because that's, that's first, what we're missing. Before we have to go, First Corinthians twelve and Galatians three makes it point, makes it clear when he says, "There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, yep. male nor female. You're all in Christ Jesus." So whatever narrative we've come up with to somehow think that God is viewing women in a lesser degree or in or that we should view them a lesser degree, hogwash and nonsensical. You yep. know, Ephesians five, he started off the whole section on husbands and wives the first phrase is submit to one another out of reverence for christ the bottom line is we have different roles we're made different yep you know i saw somewhere or or heard from that sermon i think that in a bathroom men have six items basic toothbrush toothpaste, you know, razor. I, I didn't even have but like four of the six. They, 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 <laughs> a woman has over 400. Yeah. And I couldn't identify probably 398 of them. Maybelline is a powerful thing. So I'm saying, hey, the point, we're different. We have different roles and when you look at from being a mother. So I want to, so we're out of time, uh, but I want to explore that a little bit more, Jason, in our overtime segment. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed is where you're going to get access to the overtime. Now, Uncanceled oh, yeah. is out. Go to Amazon.com to get that. Uh, and be sure and leave a review when you do that as well. So we'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side in the overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. 
Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.